Welcome to the Grow to Gold podcast. On today's episode, we have Anthony Spark. I could not be more excited to have him. Just to introduce him quickly, this gentleman retired his nine to five at 25 years old, seven figures by 32, so he's a multimillionaire, created an online company, fastest growing church in the country that he helped raise some money for, as well as establish a nice little leadership circle. He is the author of the Phoenix Manifesto, incredible book, and he also has a podcast called The Extraordinary Excellence. So I am super excited to have him on here. I have no doubt that he's going to add a tremendous amount of value. So Anthony, welcome to the show. Dude, so thankful to be here. Uh, I'm thankful for our friendship. I'm thankful to know you and have been part of this journey for probably like 10 years now. Yes, for sure. And let's just share with everybody to keep this vulnerable. You and I have had plans to connect on a friendship level for what it feels like months now. And now we had to schedule a podcast episode to be able to catch up. So everybody's going to get to hear our individual catch up conversation. So I'm excited about this. Yeah, me too. Me too. I can't wait to hear about what you're doing and the changes and everything in your life. I've always been a big Brett Goldstein fan. Same. So let's jump right in, man. So let's start from the beginning because I know I just outlined an impressive portfolio of what you've accomplished over here. But tell us the Anthony Park story. Let's spark story. Let's catch everybody up. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I myself, I came from a really dysfunctional background. My mom was a single mom. My dad was in prison. And I just didn't really, I want to do something that mattered. I wanted to impact people. And I wanted to be able to make enough money to have a middle class life on Long Island, which is very, very, very expensive. And because I was paying all my own bills, I was working full time in high school. In 2006, when I was graduating high school, I did the math on how much do I need to make to live on Long Island and go on a family trip and you know, be able to have nice cars and be able to go to the city, be able to provide education for my kids. And most people never do the math. They never work backwards. It's one of the reasons I really got into financial literacy coaching. But um, it was $400,000 a year, household pre-tax income, just to have a middle-class life on Long Island in 2006. So I was going to go the pre-med route. I didn't want to be a doctor. I wanted to help people and make money, and that seemed to be a useful kind of deal to go. But when I was 18, I met a guy, Tony Papalardo, one of my best friends, business partners that had built online companies and taking networking companies in a very different direction with a level of integrity and professionalism that other people didn't do. And I said, I would do anything to have the freedom to be able to build an income that was much more ongoing than any type of traditional income or traditional small business that would allow me to be with my kids and be with my wife. I've never been about my name on a building or, you know, stuff for me, stuff. I I don't like to be beholden to anything. So I wanted freedom. I want to be able to drink a white claw on the porch and watch a thunderstorm. I want to be able to wake up with my kids and take them to private Montessori preschool like we're able to do. I want to be able to be with my wife and travel and bless the people around me and have such unbelievable financial freedom that I could set up irrevocable trust for my descendants to give basic income from them to pursue their God-given talents, to be able to do charity work, and to be able to make a difference in all these places around the world that you don't have the opportunity like you do have in the United States and a lot of the people listening here in first world countries. So that's kind of the story. I wrote a book in the interim. I left my job at 25 because of that mentorship and building that type of business. My wife left hers a few years ago. And we're just super thankful and blessed. We were in a place where we can not only make a difference by helping people financially and relationally and really do something that gives us a lot of uh, purpose in life by helping marriages grow and flourish and help people pay off debt, learn financial literacy, uh, achieve their God-given potential, start the charities and the not-for-profits they want, but also create a beautiful living that lets us be able to be with each other and our kids. 
Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And I appreciate you sharing that with everybody. So let's go back because, you know, what I'm finding from my demographics and the audience of people that are listening to this, it's a lot of people that are in their nine to fives and, and really looking to make a change. So at 25 years old, when most people would still refer to you as a kid, mm-hmm. you had the mentorship from somebody that is a now a hero of yours, right, Tony? Mm-hmm. Um, and he's helped to guide you and your wife to a point where you guys are, are doing quite well now and you're making a massive impact on people. So at 25 years old, what were you doing for work? So I started working with Tony at 18. So that was a seven-year period. And that was my main focus, building that company for those seven years. In that interim, I had lots of jobs. I had come from a food service background. You know, my dad owned a deli. So I started in food younger. And I was making, yeah, I was making, you know, we had talked about that. You know, I was making um, like 600 bucks a week take home at 17, which was better than most of my friends that graduated with degrees, but it's 50, 60 hours. So that was where I was. I did torch down roofs. I did logistics, uh, different pallets ended up in different parts of the country in different countries didn't last there long. I ended up mostly working at the penny saver doing sales at the time, which was kind of like a, a dying company that they could have really transitioned. But anyway, it was a good solid outside sales job that gave me freedom to be able to go and do the things I needed to and to be able to build my company. So I'm a big proponent. My personal, there's all different paths. Some people say, you know what, I'm going to detonate and go into business. And I don't know if that's wrong. I just find that anecdotally, people don't actually mitigate risk. For every story of I deleted everything and I succeeded, there's a thousand you don't hear of that didn't. So for me, I really like to talk and, and guide people to say, number one, to get a really solid, good income that can provide your nine to five needs, your income for your family and what you want. Save for your retirements, max your Roth IRAs out and just have a base job, something. And it could be a lot of money, could be less, but it's not about the money. It's about having a lifestyle. Number two is you now take 40, 30, 20, 15, whatever hours you can to begin to develop something with a lot more ongoing passive income. And over the course of years, you're talking longitudinally, five, 10 years, you put yourself in a position where if you can create enough income and cash flow from this asset type business that you've built in tandem with a full-time job, you've now been able to properly earn your freedom and transition from having to work a nine to five to being able to maintain that. Rather than say, I got six months of reserves, hope everything works out and detonate. I mean, not saying that's bad. If you're 22 and you have no responsibilities, hey, more power to you if you got a support network, but that was never the position I was in. Makes sense. So in terms of you jumping into this, and and I love what you said about not fully quitting your job until you're in a position to do that, making sure your your passive income, in a sense, replaces your full-time income, and then continuing to approach the mission from there. So what do you say to people that are skeptical? What do you say to people that see what you've done? And obviously, look, the results speak for themselves. But when somebody's first jumping into something and you're painting this vision for them of what's possible, there's a lot of naysayers. There's a lot of people that just don't believe. So how do you navigate that conversation? Yeah, it's a really, really good question. Um, If you Google me, you'll see all sorts of stuff from people that don't know me, positive and negative. Here's the reality. Anyone that does anything has people that don't know them talking about them. You don't have any negative when you Google your name or any positive. You're not doing anything. So one of the things I've found is that I'm not looking to convince skeptical people. I'm not looking to influence people that have that mindset. I'm here to love people. You know, I I have people of all different ideologies and friendships. Myself, I'm a Christian. Um, I know that, you know, Brett said we had raised some of that seed money. We're very thankful and proud. Mike Signorelli of V1 Church, one of my best friends. He's done everything. But to have be any small part of that beginning story is such a blessing for us. But it's my job just to love people and be an example and do the right thing. Um, I really believe you should lead from your home, from your marriage, from your values, from your character. 
and from who you are as a person. And that will naturally produce the right kind of success in your life. I mean, if you talk for my faith biblically, you don't want wealth added to you. You want wealth added to you at the, at the growth of your soul, you know, because wealth without soul growth and proper character is crushing. So um, I don't worry about people that are skeptical. I'm looking for people that have a desire. Now, most skepticism comes from well-intentioned ignorance. Most people just don't understand what they're saying. I mean, up until the 1850s, you had people doing something called bloodletting, which was basically, hey, you have too much blood in your body. Now, I'm not a doctor, but I'm going to go ahead and say you have pneumonia, cutting someone open with a dirty knife to bleed a few pints of blood out ain't going to help the pneumonia. And very often, people would die from the consequences on the side effects of the treatment rather than the illness. Nobody in this equation, your kid gets sick and you're wealthy and you get the best doctor. Nobody here is conspiring to kill people. Everyone's intentions are pure and everybody's heartbroken that little Emily died. But well-intentioned ignorance can still kill you. And that's what happens in most people's marriages, finances, and their goals and dreams. Because the people around you love you, but they don't know what they're talking about if they don't have a level of expertise and have not succeeded in the area they're advising. So if someone hasn't created financial independence in their 20s, I'm not better than anyone else, but to talk about that is just an opinion because they haven't done it and it's not going to be weighted properly. That's powerful. Yeah, most people, and, and I forget who this quote is by, but most people are do not succeed because they're too busy, too busy listening to their friends and neighbors that have not achieved what they are looking to achieve. So I totally, so totally respect that. So going back to your story and uh, the time you had spent with Tony, was he the first person that really stood out to you that, that fit the description and had the success that was somebody that you can say, okay, this person's actually done it. And this is somebody that I can follow. My question to you is how do you identify the right mentor? Yeah, it's a really, really good question. So my whole life, I'm very um, fringe, you know, I'm very avant-garde, uh, you know, bohemian and like, I just don't think the same. I don't act the same, good or bad. It just is what it is. So going through school, I was blessed with an aptitude. I got fives in my AP exams. I got hundreds on my regions. I wasn't studying. I was smoking pot, going to parties. I had a group of friends that a bunch died from overdoses because those are the people I hung out with because unfortunately that was who I was with you know, socially. And then I had my friends like Angela who went to Johns Hopkins for a residency in anesthesiology that she would just tutor me for the day before the test and teach me everything I needed to know. So um, I always thought differently. So I was looking for something. That's a key. First, you need to be looking for something. So when I met Tony and Vinny at the time, his father, they were the only people I'd ever met that checked a few boxes for what I, I thought was important. And I'll get to the answer to the question for whoever's listening. They had good marriages and good values. I am so unimpressed by anyone that makes a lot of money or has one dimensional success. It is so, can we curse here? Do we curse? It's so fucking easy to make a lot of money. I'm not impressed with your million dollar a year income when your kids don't know you, you're, you're in your third wife or third husband and you're unhealthy so much that you need to you know, uh, take a sleeping pill to go to bed. I'm so thoroughly unimpressed with your titles, your status, your cars, your homes, your income, your financial status, if it isn't balanced. Success is much more holistic. So I saw people that number one had good marriages and good spiritual foundations, whatever that may be, but they were good people that put people ahead of profits. Secondly, Income's important. You're not successful if you have a great family per se, if you can't pay your bills, although I would prefer that over the first scenario I gave, but they were able to create a substantial income that allowed them to have security and choices in their life. Money is a tool to help you to be able to 
have your ideology, thoughts, and visions come to pass in reality. It is a tool to make money, is a tool to make a difference, and is a tool to improve the world we're living in, not buy consumer items. That is secondary. So they had their priorities in alignment, and it was a vehicle and a way that I could accomplish what I wanted, which for me was total financial freedom and an ability to be able to travel and do things that mattered to me. So how do you identify a mentor? You need to get really clear on number one, what do you want? Because I'm not saying what I do is right for everybody. It's not. What Brett does isn't right for everybody. You need to get really clear. What is the life I want to live? How do I want to look financially, time-wise, stress-wise, impact-wise? What does that look like for you? And you're looking for someone that's a mentor that has proper values, where you can look at all the areas of their life, and they can, you can say, I respect this person for who they are. I believe that Mayweather can help you become a good wrestler if he were to mentor you. But even if I was a wrestler, I would not look to Mayweather because the way he created success is so unbelievably abrasive and destructive in everything else in his life. How do I know it doesn't overlay? So for me, I'm really choosy with who I take information with because I first want to know who the person is and where they come from to make sure that if I'm going to get full life mentorship in something, they can go that way. Now, are you going to always find that? I'm not judging. I'm not saying anything. Certainly, if I want to maybe learn a technique from Mayweather, I would. But when you look at someone more like Tom Brady, that is someone I believe is worthy of mentorship and being a role model because you can look at the success, at least from what we can see on the outside in all these different areas of his life. Makes total sense. And, and obviously, you're using examples like Mayweather and Brady because they're universal, right? Everybody will know sure. who that is. But if you're talking on more of a localized level, right? If I'm a 20-year-old mm -hmm. kid um, in college, I don't know if this is necessarily for me. I'm trying to find the right mentorship. Okay. I'm listening to this podcast, right? Most people are not putting their full lives on display. Like you had to sure. get to know Tony. You had to get to know Vinny. You had to get yes. to know these guys to really know if they checked all those boxes. So is there a process that you're going mm. through or advice you would give to somebody to begin that process? Other than, of course, it starts internally and you have to know yourself, but let's say you've yeah. done that work. How do you then go through that process of getting to really know somebody that isn't just going to pull back the curtains right away and say, here's everything? Because sure. some people are maybe a little bit more private and it's going to take some Fair. time and, and it's going to be a process. Fair. Okay. So first off, we need to develop a level of discernment from our experiences, good and bad, and from the things we read, the things we listen to, and the things we experience. So first off, there is an infinite amount of knowledge that we can begin to gain for the books, the audios, the courses, and the conferences that you can go to. And as you spend more time around different people, you, I, I believe when something smells like fish, it's because there's fish. So you can start to find out when something seems a little offish. There are certain personal development people where it's like, uh, I can tell that that is pride-driven, vanity-driven. That, that's total fucking bullshit. Um, and a lot of these people, they can be very, very big. And what tends to happen almost always is as you develop good sense of who someone is through reading, through good association, through really seeing the differences longitudinally over time, just look at the fruit in someone's life. I don't listen to what people say. People can talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. When I want to know how someone's marriage is, I don't hear what someone says. I ask their significant other and look how they look at them while they talk. So it's really starting to pick up on some of those different things. But you'll also find that all those people that very often you seem to discern are a little bit offish. Like there's one particular person. I don't know them, but I've never liked them. I thought they were really, really skimy. They seemed skimy to me. And 
as it's a very small world in the personal development, any industry is always a small world, solar too. your reputation follows you in any industry that you're in. There's not that many people at the top of any industry come to find out eventually that there's all sorts of lawsuits from do this person doing the wrong thing. Of course, it's not, it's usually easy to see, but if you're first, you're 20 and you're just looking to grow, what are you looking to grow in? Find somebody that has a higher level of capability that's willing to coach and mentor you and just look for signs and start to listen. But how to exactly find it is going to require a level of trust. And I think that, I think that um, getting recommendations from someone you trust, from people that you know in some degree, is a really healthy way to get connected. Networking is one of the most important things, I think, particularly in this vein. So hopefully that answers, you know, I kind of, I fell in with them at a very young age. And I've seen lots of things, but I haven't sought someone in that way. You know, I also take a lot of courses. So when I want to learn about a podcast, I paid, I paid $2,000 to a fellowship. I'm always investing in my education and getting around all different types of people at higher levels of ability and always questioning and asking. So maybe that helps as well. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I love the piece that you, that you ended with there and segued it because it'll segue into exactly what I was looking to chat with you next about the fact that you understand that you are your best investment. Right. A lot of people are looking to get a return without putting in anything. And the oh, mentor mentee yeah. relationship really has to go both ways. And if you're somebody that values your money over your time, you're doing it backwards. Right. Yeah. And again, if you're somebody in your 20s, 30s, it doesn't matter where you're at in life. You should always be valuing your time and your relationships yeah. over money because you can always make more money. So maybe Anthony, you can talk a little bit about the importance because even now as somebody who's very successful, you're still making those investments. That doesn't stop. The process of mastery is ongoing. So maybe you can talk about here how you learned to value your time over money and now you're leveraging your money to buy back more time. Yeah. So there's two different concepts that I think will help with this. First off, most people's excuse for not investing time or resources into something is because they can't because of XYZ happening in the present. What they fail to recognize is the dysfunction in your present is from dysfunctional thinking and actions from your past. So for us to justify the inability to fix my future because my current time is fucked up because of my dysfunction from the past is really cyclically ridiculous. So there needs to come a time where you make a decision that you're going to break the chain. Second of all, I learned a long time ago that a lot of people like to say, well, I deserve more money. I deserve more. And a lot of times I, I, I talk to two different camps of people, which I think are both really, they really, they're not my favorite to put it lightly. One camp is like the really granola, crunchy um, Christian people that act like making money is wrong and it's righteous to be poor. Ridiculous. Then I talk to like the really secular people that are just pride, ego driven, materialistic maniacs that are driven by vanity and impressing and veblen goods of buying the most expensive things they can to impress people. Bullshit. It's even worse. Here's what I believe I believe that everybody is intrinsically equally valuable as souls and human beings. But that does not mean that we're all equally valuable in the marketplace. And your value and how much you get paid is in direct, it's in direct proportion to your value. People say, well, I deserve more money. No, 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 no. You need to become more marketable. You need to become more valuable. You want more money, add more value to yourself. So I've read on average of a book a week or so uh, for the last 15 or so years, maybe call it a half a book because it depends on the time frame in my life, but hundreds, if not a thousand books. I started to make choices to say, okay, what is something I can do now 
that's going to massively impact my future and look to get the things in my life because they're not that big of choices. It's reading, it's listening, it's studying, it's investing into coaching and mentorship. It's really just taking the choice to say, people will always say, because this is a common personal development thing. It's like, well, I don't have the money to do that. Yeah, but you just don't understand how money works. You don't have a proper mindset of money because nothing costs money if it makes you more in the future. And your worst case scenario that people are always afraid of, well, I don't, what if I lose all the money? Yeah, like the shit you've been buying for the last two years that have gotten you nowhere. Congratulations, you'll be exactly where you are with one less shit. People think money, people have confused capitalism with consumerism. And everyone that's a capitalist fucking loves it. Because when you're a consumer, you're building capital and you're building assets for these other people. You know, I see people with brand new iPhones. I'm sorry. I drive a 2004 Yukon and a 2006 XC90. You know why? Because I got them each for five grand and I put six figures away in my investments yearly. I pay $34.50 a month for my kids' Montessori private preschool because those are my values. Are your values in alignment with the way you spend money? I'm not saying that having a, a, a bad car is righteous and a, bad, a good car. No. Are you operating in concordance with your values and are you investing and using capital to make more capital in the future? Powerful, powerful. And that's exactly what I was hoping you would get at too, because I don't think people are really taking inventory of what their values are. I think sure. most people look externally and they're getting so programmed. And I had somebody on my podcast, a dear friend of mine, his name is Omar Elatar, uh, runs the Passion View podcast, interviewed some of the wealthiest yeah. people in America. And he brought up something that blew my mind. And I'd love for you to dovetail off of this, but he's like, I just find it very coincidental that everybody wants a Tesla. Everybody wants to make $10,000 a month. Everybody wants the Rolex. Everybody wants this certain opportunity. Everybody wants this significant other. He's like, I just find it very odd that if you were to pull out a whole bunch of people and just sample it, the majority of the answers would be the same. So most people are being programmed by the external world instead of them going internally, whatever that might look like for you, whether it's faith, meditation, whatever it is, but the answers are here. And as you put before, and this is beautiful, we are all created equal, but that doesn't mean we have equal value to the marketplace. However, success is a very self-defined word. Mm -hmm. Somebody might look at success and say 30,000 and the ability to coach my kid's soccer game and be available. That is the definition of success for me. And that is fantastic. That's an inward right. thing. Right. The real tragedy is when that person who knows where they would be happy decides to say, no, 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 that's not what society would classify as success. So therefore I have to sacrifice that to go do something that's miserable to make an income. And that's where Tony Robbins quote of success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure yeah. comes back to me over and over again. And that's the mission of this grow to gold community and this podcast and everything I'm doing on Instagram is to get people to understand that it is okay to be who the fuck you are right. and stop looking externally for only the work and fulfillment that's going to come from internal. Yeah. So I know I just threw a lot at you. Feel free to unpack that and take no, it whichever totally. way you'd like, but I feel like it resonates with what you're saying. Yeah, totally. Um, the thing is that most people don't realize how susceptible they are to propaganda. One of the most effective tools of propaganda, such as everyone wants a Tesla, we could call it marketing if propaganda offends you. Um, the, one of the most effective tools, though, with propaganda is that you think you're not susceptible to it. No one defends himself against an enemy that they don't believe that they're susceptible to, which makes you very vulnerable. So we live in a world where 
The challenge with if you just follow a money trail, money doesn't have a soul. Having more is not bad. Having less isn't good. But money itself and corporations aren't people. Corporations want to generate profits. And corporations and money do not care if they exploit inborn human weaknesses to create money. That's where people that need to be willing to put people ahead of profits need to be stepping in the gap to making choices with different things. When you have a company like DuPont that, that consciously chose to poison everybody in the world, and if people haven't seen, I think it's Dark Water with Mark Ruffalo, here's the short of it. They started making Teflon in the 50s. They shortly thereafter found that there was permanent chemicals and everyone that was dealing with that's bloodstream. Everyone said, just make sure you don't put these chemicals in the water. They said, mm, fuck it. They dumped it around. They literally caused ridiculous amounts of birth defects. But here's the, here, no one has ever said that I've met that said, you know what? I'm willing to have my pan not stick and have 99.9999% every human being tested since the 50s have chemicals from Teflon's runoff in their bloodstream at, when they're born. No one's like, you know what? I like my food not to stick on the pan, and I don't mind if my baby has undefined chemicals floating around their body for the rest of their life. That never break down. That is the difference between companies and people. And there is no worse success to come off the thing that you said. There is nothing. It's, people will often say, well, what if I fail? That's not the scary outcome. You fail, you learn. You fail, you feel okay most of the time. The feelings of regret are always greater, but that's not the bad thing, failure. The scary thing for you to consider is what if you succeed in doing exactly what you want and you find out that you hate your life and what you've traded for? So you need, everyone needs to get to the point to realize that, of course, people are going to keep trying to sell you a fad diet and a way to take a pill to lose weight. Because one of the easiest ways to make money with no morals is to sell something for nothing. It's an inborn human characteristic to want to cut the cost off of the benefit. They want to remove the, the thorn from the rose. It just doesn't work this way. But people will infinitely sell you easy ways to a marriage, easy ways to have a successful fi uh, financial life. You know, I was a janitor. Now I own a private island. There's an infinite number of these different things that cause so much muck and noise in a space that me and Brett are talking about in personal development that people become jaded against real things. You need to get really clear to discern truth and to find out what you believe and what's more important to you. Choose a direction. We can always change directions, but circling indefinitely and floating around, will that's the only wrong answer that destroys us. So yeah, if you are, if you've decided that success for you is you committing yourself, there's a really interesting two books on this that most people you're going to talk to don't talk about because most people are like Western individualistic, kill people like that book winning. Wonderful to a degree I get, but I, I don't think that's winning. But the guy talked about the train, Kobe Bryant, not my cup of tea. Um, the Brokenness of Community by Jean Venier, um, tremendous book, talks about volunteering with people that have developmental disabilities and many are nonverbal and that what you get from that in community. Amazing book. Another book, Awareness by Tony DeMello, which was recommended on Tim Ferriss's podcast by Peter Malouk, who's got about 60 or 70 billion under asset management his fiduciary firm, Creative Planning. Um, but tremendous, tremendous books if you want to learn some of that stuff because if your success is committing yourself to a nonverbal autistic kid and to serve and to nurture that person, I believe you're very, very successful. I'm so unimpressed with the trappings and your flaunting bullshit. If you love a Bentley, wonderful. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but do you have the Bentley or does the Bentley have you? Hmm. Hmm. 
That's powerful. And just to follow up that story for anybody listening to this with a real life example, Anthony and I both come from fathers that ran deli catering companies in the New York area. And my father took it over from his, from his father who survived the Holocaust and came into this country. And then my, when my father took it over, um, all, he sold the business four or five years ago um, and ended up just from his unhealthy lifestyle, the stress, the anxiety, everything that went to the business, ended up having a massive heart attack and almost died and has been in AA for 25 years and got up at 1.30 in the morning and lived this life. And, and again, it is a classic example of somebody that did what they thought they were supposed to do, sacrificed happiness, sacrificed balance, right? Work life and, and the time, you know, my, my dad was in bed by four or five o'clock on a regular basis because that's what you had to do to get up at 1.30. Right. So to be able to live that life and if, if it was just based on hard work, my dad would have been a billionaire, grew up in a nice area in New York, Long Island. Um, and there was a lot of people with bigger homes, nicer cars, and were able to play catch with their kids on the weekend. You know, at the end of the day, when you when you look at what that is. And it really goes back to what we just said. I'm really trying to hit this point home with a personal example for everybody here and just being vulnerable. You need to understand that what you're chasing if you're not taking the time to outline what that is and you're just settling for what's available right you can achieve all the financial riches in the world but if you sacrifice your health to get there what's it for if you sacrifice your family to get there is it really worth it if you sacrifice things that you know will ultimately make you happy in the pursuit of something that doesn't really matter the greatest tragedy in life is going to be looking back on all of that and saying, I should have done something different because thankfully my father didn't pass away. Thankfully now he's a changed person. AA has been one of the most incredible things for him mm. and having a near death experience with a, with a massive heart attack changes entire perspective on life. But it took him till almost 70 years old to realize this. Yeah. It's wild. So I share that with everybody listening to this, because again, I want the message of what Anthony and, I, Anthony and I are here talking about to really resonate. Because again, the point of all of this is people have a very good bullshit detector. Mm. And the fact that we can have an open and honest conversation like this and be two guys that have figured out some pretty good things in our lives, but we're also still far away from where we ultimately know our potential is. This is a message and this is a path that I'm hoping other people can follow. So Anthony, feel free to take that from there, man. I'm sure you can add value on that. Yeah. And it's, it's so true. I mean, you can choose to let a life or death situation change your mindset, or you can choose to do it yourself. I just think it's a, a hell of a lot less costly to make a choice, to make a shift. Most people, they don't realize they have that power. Yeah. I see so many people. I mean, what's talked about as winning and success is so far from what I truly believe anyone wants. It's frightening. People are exploiting the difference between the base needs financially they, they need to get to where they need to go, which also, by the way, is largely driven by poor stewardship and you buying things you don't need and spending money in ways you don't need to. Most people don't realize that wealth is infinitely more about defense than about offense. It's about how you spend the money you make versus the money that you, that how much you make. If you make a million, spend a million, your net worth is zero. If you make 50,000 and spend 40, your net worth is 10,000. You are wealthier at end of year one than the, than the millionaire, the guy that makes a, not a millionaire, the million dollar year income earner. 
But how many people said they take their marriage and they sacrifice on the altar of public praise and financial success? How many people decide that knowing their kid, you can't quantify, like I am able to read kids and tuck my kids into bed every night. I wake up with them almost every morning or I wake up with them every morning. I drive them to school almost every morning. I have three and a half year old twins. God willing, we'll have more babies in the future. You know what I mean? But that's what I wanted to do. And that's where I wanted to be. If I had, if you said you can sacrifice that to make a billion dollars, okay, fuck you. That's not what I'm looking for. Do you know what's most important? Now, the other end of things here is another trap. There's a lot of traps with these different things. Financial success, impact, and being having a healthy life with your family, those are things that are not mutually exclusive. So if you choose to make 50 grand a year because you want to be able to play soccer with or coach your son's soccer team, I think that's infinitely better than choosing a million for the alternative, but it doesn't need to be that way. We live in a time where you have all the sum of all human knowledge in your pocket. I don't have my phone 24 hours a day. I distinctly remember, and anybody that's in their 30s that's listening, Brett will probably remember as well. In school, we were taught that people at like far reaches in the world were ignorant because of a lack of access to information, libraries, reading, they were illiterate. That's why they were ignorant. Everyone I know now has the sum total of all human knowledge in their pocket 24 hours a day. I don't see any less ignorance. Ignorance isn't going to be saturated by information. It's people's willingness to start to look and take advantage of what's in front of them. People think they have a resources problem, quoting Tony Robbins. I think that was his TED Talk. You have a resourcefulness problem. You don't look at what you have. Anyone that's listening here, you can be five years away from a level of financial independence. I'm not saying you're a multi-bazillionaire. I'm saying that you create an income of $50,000 to $100,000 a year of passive income, which for most people buys their ability to buy their time back and own their life. You just need to get the right counsel. You need to get the right coaching. You need to seek out the right information. And you need to believe that you can. Because if you do, if you try and you don't, you learn. If you, if you don't try, you regret. If you have a calling to do something, I believe we all have different callings. There's lots of ways to do things. But I believe it is your responsibility to become financially independent. Because if you're not, you're just playing Russian roulette with your future every day. Every day you're pretending there's not a medical emergency. No one's going to get sick. There's no one's going to need a life-changing uh, medical treatment. No one, your, your industry is not going to change. It's not going to be a pandemic. It's just a ridiculous thing to consider and never think about that at some point in time, you will not be able to perform and earn the way that you are. We need to take care of, and I believe it's our responsibility to take care of our parents, our grandparents, our kids and our grandparents, our grandkids financially. Because we're in a time of the most prosperity ever in human history. And people are making more than ever and wasting it on nonsense. I think it's largely a mindset thing. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. And this has been an absolute masterclass so far. So just with respect for time, what would be, and you've just dropped so much value on this, what would be if somebody listened to this and they said, you know what, I'm going to be honest with myself for a minute here. I look back through my credit card statements. I look back through my bank account. I'm making X. I spend Y it's just not sustainable, right? I can forward project next 10 years. If I keep doing this, I'm going to be in a horrible situation, which is why 71% of Americans have less than a thousand dollars in savings, which is mind boggling to me. Yep. What would be the first step that Anthony Spark would tell somebody that's listening to this to say, look, it's time for me to get my house in order. What do you do? Yeah. I think there's four things anyone needs to fix the problem. Number one, you need one-on-one -on -one coaching and mentorship. You need a guide. You need someone to help walk you through the different things you need to do. You need financial coaching in that case, personal financial coaching. It's one of the things that I do. I'm sure you can find someone. You can Google Dave Ramsey. 
read Total Money Makeover, read Retire Inspired. I mean, that's not going to be one-on-one coaching, but we can start you there. Start to get some data. But number one, if you're going to succeed at anything, you need one-on-one coaching. You need high-level coaching from someone that can help you. Number two, you need accountability. You need a peer group of people that are moving forward that are going to help keep you accountable. That's why CrossFit works because you can know what to do and getting yourself to do it's tough. You need accountability from peers to help you to move forward. Number three, you need resources, which is books, audios, coursework, and what to listen to. Curation in our current culture, in my opinion, is infinitely more important than availability of data. You don't have a question for You have limited books and things to listen to. Which, which do you do? You need curated content. You need some type of coursework. And then number four, you need some type of an opportunity, any business opportunity that can create long-term passive income. You need to apply it to something. You could make a tremendous amount of money. Like I, I know from what Brett's done and from what I understand, you've made a lot of money in the solar industry. And then you most likely were smart with it. That's giving you this opportunity, whether you're going to make a lot of money in an industry as an employee or a self-employed person, or you're going to build an asset. Ultimately, if you don't have a passive source of income in the B or the I quadrant, a big business or an investment, you're stuck. But if you want to start getting to move, track everything that you spend, write everything down, be honest, and start learning what a zero-based budget is because it's just a tool. It's just, we all have excuses. Money doesn't flow based on logic. It flows based on emotion. It's why we get to the end of the week and we know we shouldn't spend anything. And we say, fuck it, I'm exhausted and I'm YOLO. And you go and you spend $200 on dinner when you don't really have $200 for dinner. We need to make decisions while we're cognizant of the implications ahead of time not let our decisions be dictated by the feelings in the moment. So those are just some tips on that. Super powerful. Final question for you. Where can people find you? Where can somebody connect with you if they're interested in getting your mentorship, joining your network? What does that look like? How do they find you? Yeah. So for anyone listening, almost no one does this ever, just to be clear. You think that everyone that you hear on these talks is inundated with messages? They aren't. No one seeks or asks anything. We'd love to help. I'd love to help. Brett loved to help. Any of their guests would love to help. Um, so if you do reach out, just know you're one in a million and happy to talk to you. So it's not like, oh my God, if I reach out, I won't be able to. Yeah, I'll have plenty of time. I can have a phone call with you because you'll be the only one. Um, but you can find, uh, you know, a spark is born on Instagram is my handle. Um, if you go to, I think it's, it's the bit.ly link, who is Anthony Spark? Uh, that has like all my stuff on there. We could put that in the show notes. But a spark is born. Anthony Spark, uh, Phoenix Evolutions, my company. You know, you can find of all those different ways. Operation Impact's a charity organization we found, but you can find us any of those ways. You can email. You can call me. You're not gonna six three one three two seven two two four one. That's my cell phone. You want to text me? Oh no, they either. No one's gonna text me or call me. And if you do, freaking fantastic. If you all do, even better. What a blessing to be able to serve. But however you want to contact me is up to you. That's powerful. I've never interviewed anybody where they've given their cell phone number. And you're 100% right, because I say the same thing at the end of this. It's reach out to me. And I've, I, I have had some people reach out to me, but in terms of the, the, the impact I'm looking to make, if everybody right. just took action after listening to something like this, the world would be a much better place. So I love the fact that you challenge people to reach out to you. You provided every single outlet and platform to do so. And I'm grateful to call you a friend and a mentor. You're somebody that I know I can always lean on and call with anything I need. And you've been there for me and my wife time and time again. So I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for Callan, your wife as well. And I appreciate you more than you know. And I thank you for giving some time because I know the audience benefited tremendously from this. And again, reach out to him. I promise you, you will not regret having a conversation like this. So Anthony, thank you for your time. 
We appreciate you. And thank you to everybody for listening to another episode of the Grow to Gold podcast. If you have not yet subscribed, please make sure you do so so you never miss another episode. And if you could, give us a review so mm -hmm. we can grow this show organically. Thank you so much for your time. We look forward to seeing you next time. Take care. Bye-bye.